Today I want to talk about the Apostle Paul, and this is his last letter. Timothy is his spiritual son in the faith, and Second uh, Timothy is really a very personal letter. I've preached on it a couple of times, but um, the title of this message is Come Soon. One of my favorite uh survival programs to watch is Survivor Man. If you have your smartphone with you, you can see a picture of Les Stroud blowing on a, on a tender bundle to get fire started. Uh, he filmed everything himself. He had like seven, eight seasons. He's done some other uh, survival uh, videos. And he goes out into the wilderness. He just takes himself, his camera. He does not have a camera crew. He does not take food with him. And he goes out and he lives on his own. And it uh, some of the situations are treacherous to say the least, but he goes out and he does this living alone. When I think about the Apostle Paul here, who is in Rome, in prison, I, I get the idea of alone. Now, Apostle Paul was not totally alone, but when I think about Second Timothy, I always think of the isolation of the Apostle Paul. This is where some say that the Apostle Paul spent his final days. This is a, a picture here of a Roman prison. You can tell it's not very flattering. It's not very clean. And this is where the Apostle Paul spent his final days, or at least scholars believe. So what we have here is a very intimate letter, a very personal letter. And what I see in these verses here, and of course, in later in the chapter, uh, chapter 4, when Paul is passing the baton to Timothy, what I see is a self-sacrificing individual. He didn't particularly care too much about his own life. What he cared about more than anything was the gospel message. And it, it rings here uh, as we look at these verses. And to say that the Apostle Paul was in tough times is an understatement. Uh, think, think about you for a minute. If you were in a jail cell and you knew that at any moment they were going to take you out and hang you, uh, it, it, it would really sit with you. So the, so the situation was, was difficult for the Apostle Paul. Uh, ironically, uh, here at the end of his life, the Apostle Paul went from being the persecutor to being the persecuted. And he made a full gamut in his life. But the Apostle Paul is definitely in tough times. So during hard times in verses 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul starts with the urgency. And this is to Timothy. He, goes, he writes this, Do your best to come to me soon. That's very emphatic. Wrote, with a sense of urgency. Do your best is spudazo, which means to work at something hard. So when Timothy receives this letter, which was probably uh, uh, given to him by Tychicus, um, he wants Timothy to know right up front that this is an urgent matter. Work at it diligently. And the word soon, takeos, takeos, which means very soon or quickly. Now, the Apostle Paul is going to give this letter to Tychicus. He's going to take it to Ephesus from Rome. And the idea is once Timothy receives the letter, he is to respond immediately. 
It's not something that Timothy can put off. And why would the Apostle Paul write this? Well, first of all, the Apostle Paul knew the Roman justice system. It moved slowly, but it moved. Matter of fact, if you look at Acts 24-7, Festus had kept Paul in prison for two years. When Felix relieved Festus, he left Paul in prison for a little while longer. So the question is, why hurry? Uh, scholars have made this point, and I probably agree with it. If this was written sometime in March or April, let's give you a quick look here. Now, for those out here on the lawn, I've got a map here of Rome to Ephesus. And for those at home that are watching on Facebook, you'll notice I've got Ephesus and Rome highlighted. Now, if you take the straight across route, like if you were to get on the interstate and you were to drive on 57 and you take the uh, 57 south going down to Memphis, um, you would need to multiply that by three times. And this is walking. So a thousand miles straight, but there's no way that Timothy would, be, would get this letter and walk across the water, the Aegean Sea. He just wouldn't do it. So he'd have to take alternate routes. Some scholars say it's 1,400 miles. So let's, let's play with some math here. If Paul wrote this in March or April, and he writes later, come before winter, which is where scholars get this, this idea that it was written probably in the spring. If the Apostle Paul wrote this, let's just play with the idea of March, late March. You've got April, May, June, July. Four months it would take. They didn't have texting back then. They didn't have instant messenger. Uh, it was uh, tough to travel. So it would take him four months. Now Timothy gets the letter, let's say, in July. August, September, October, November. Come before winter. That's how they decided that this was probably written in the spring. You think about Paul. He wants to see his spiritual son in the faith probably for the last time. And so he wants to see Timothy. And by the way, there's a, there's a little thing here. I've made it a practice in 30 years of ministry that when I get an urgent call, I go, regardless. I just get up and I go immediately. One, one time I got a call at 10 o'clock at night. We were, I was pastoring in Ohio then. It was snowing. I put blue jeans on and a t-shirt. I got in the car and a drive that would normally take me 15 minutes took me an hour and 45 because the snow was so heavy. But the family called me and they needed me because the, the person was actively dying. Here's, here's the thing. When people send you something, I think it's a good idea to respond immediately. Don't say, well, I'll get to it tomorrow. And, and So Timothy now is going to receive this letter probably July, if it was as late as August, which some scholars say it could have been, he would have had to have gone immediately and left to go be with the Apostle Paul. Now, the return route probably was, and I've got a, a return route up at Troas over to Philippi, 
down through Achaia to Corinth, across the uh, Adriatic Sea, and into Rome, you're looking at, at 1,500 miles, and you can tack on an extra month, maybe. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I'm walking a lot, but uh, it, it takes roughly, and with nothing on my back, it takes about 18 minutes to walk one mile. So you could do the math over a long period of time. It, it would be difficult. Now, the reason that Paul writes this is given to us in verse 10, his own situation. This is the saddest case in the New Testament. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. So Paul is writing this. It's possible that Luke, who was with Paul, was the Emmanuel, which means he wrote this for Paul. That's a possibility. It's probably written by the Apostle Paul. For Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Demas, the Greek word is Demetrius. There is another Demas mentioned in Philemon 24. Uh, there, that, that Philemon was commended, um, but I don't think that's the same one. The word here, love, Agapau, agapau, which means to take pleasure in something. So he went to Thessalonica, Demas did. And I've got here, I've got a map, and you can see where Thessalonica is. It's between Berea and Philippi. Now that journey would have been about 500 miles, four to 500 miles. So he is now leaving the apostle Paul who is in a difficult situation. He's leaving him to basically flee the area. Thessalonica in Paul's day would have had about 200,000 inhabitants. Today, the population is 1.1 million. And you can see, for those that are on Facebook, I've got a current modern day picture of Thessalonica, which is still thriving with over a million people in it. Way back in the distance there, you can see Mount Olympus, the place of gods. So if you wanted to think of it this way, Demas, who having loved the world, left the one true God to embrace the false gods. That's nothing new. When you look at the nation of Israel, up and down, up and down, all over the place, they would constantly go to Baal, they would constantly trade God, Yodehavev, Yahweh, they would trade him for a false God. And I think this is one of the saddest cases in the New Testament. How would you like your last notice to be that you sold out? I think that's what happened here. He, he sold out. And the word deserted in Kapaleo, in Kapaleo, and that means, listen to this very, very carefully, that means to leave a person uncared for. To leave a person uncared for. So it's, this, this, this word deserted is like you just leave the person even though they have needs, even though they may have physical needs, spiritual needs, emotional needs, you just leave them and go. This is a very self-serving person. One commentator said this week, it was ease and comfort versus difficulty. 
And what this person chose, Demas in this case, was ease and comfort. He didn't want to stay with Paul when things got tough. Maybe, maybe Demas was even afraid that since he was with the Apostle Paul, that maybe they would just take him out and execute him too. That's, a, that's an act of cowardice. Now, I wouldn't, that, that would not be how I'd want the last thing written about me in the Bible with my name on it. That's not what I would want. I'd like to remind all of us this morning of John, 1 John 2.15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Agapao is a word for intense love. I think what we have here, and I preach once saved, always saved, you know that, but I also believe that you have to have it in order to keep it. In other words, some fell among the thorns, some fell among the weeds, some fell among the rocks, but some fell in good soil. Jesus told that parable, the parable of the sower. It's those that are sown in good soil. Yes, we're going to make mistakes. Yes, we're going to mess up. Yes, we're going to stumble, but my goodness, we're not going to desert. And this is what Demas did. He just left. And, and that word deserted conveys the idea of not only desertion, but he did not care for the Apostle Paul. He did not care for the situation that Paul was in. So now you can see why the Apostle Paul is writing here. Uh, look, you know, Demas has left me. And I don't know Paul's relationship to Demas, and we don't know what happened to Demas after all of this was over. But we do know this, that he left and he deserted him. What a sad legacy. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Paul writes, Titus to Dalmatia. Now on the map here you will see, I've highlighted it, uh, Dalmatia is directly across from Rome maybe a hundred miles or so, Galatia a little bit further in. But here the Apostle Paul is moving pieces. Why is he moving pieces? Because the Apostle Paul knows that his time is at hand. I, I, I think about when, when people are facing end-of-life decisions that they, they, they want to get their affairs in order. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing. He could have kept these two men in place with him, but he did not. I think Paul looked out that jail cell and said, yes, in a few days I will see Jesus face to face. But before that event, I want to see my spiritual son. I've, I've sat by a lot of people who were, were passing and, and, and they were just waiting for that one son or daughter to come and, and be by their side and then they would, they would pass. This is exactly the, the Apostle Paul. He's looking out that jail cell. He knows the place of execution and he says, you know, I'm going to be with Jesus soon but I just want to see Timothy. We don't know a lot about uh, Crescens, but this says a lot about him. We do know about Titus. He was left on the island of Crete to take care of, 
particularly uh, 1.5, the Apostle Paul writes to him, this is why I left you in Crete, that, so that you might straighten out or put right what remained in what remains to be put in order and to appoint elders in every city as I directed you. Here you have two options. You have Demas who loved the world, and you had Crescens and Titus who did exactly what the Apostle Paul told him to do. Maybe it's, uh, this is strictly, maybe, maybe there was uh, a little discussion. You know, Paul, um, uh, Demas has already left you. Maybe, maybe we should stay with you. And the Apostle Paul is seeing the bigger picture here of the work of ministry. And he says, no, I need you guys to go here. And he's also going to send Tychicus with this letter. The fact is, we have a choice in our lives either to be Demas or to be Tychicus and Titus. How are we going to live our Christian lives before a world? Are we going to cower when the world comes against us? Or are we going to stand our ground and do what God has called us to do? Yeah, I, in all my studies, I think Demas, that really is just a sad closure to his life. I would not want that to be said about me. Well, Paul was in a tough time. Um, he was in difficult circumstances and he needed help. There's nothing wrong with this. The help that he really wanted was, was to see Timothy. Notice in verse 11. Luke alone is with me. That's Luke the physician. Some think that he might have written this letter for the Apostle Paul, but he was a trusted companion. Luke was the one that wrote the book of Acts. He was with Paul during his first imprisonment, so it shouldn't surprise us that he's with him in the second. Then there's a mention of get Mark and bring him with you. That's a changed life. Mark. You remember Paul and Barnabas arguing over Mark. Paul said, Mark's... Mark's not trustworthy. And now, assuming this is the same Mark, he's now had change. That means God can change people's lives if this is the case. Because now Paul, who at one time did not trust him, is now trusting him and said, please bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. Tychicus, he writes... I have sent him to Ephesus. Now, why would he send Tychicus to Ephesus? Here's what I believe. When Paul sends these other, mission, uh, these other missionaries out, he does have Luke. He really wants to see Timothy. He is now going to dispatch Tychicus with carrying the letter to Ephesus, which again, we go back to the first part of this, three to four month journey. He gets to Ephesus. What is Tychicus going to do? He's going to relieve Timothy of his duties so that Timothy, or, uh, yeah, Timothy can go to see the Apostle Paul. Notice here, these, these are people that were with the Apostle Paul that made a difference in his life. I'm going to tell you, as a pastor of 30 years, there have been people that have made a difference in my life, they've made a difference in my ministry, and we should celebrate those people. Here, the, the, the Apostle Paul is just 
wanting to get his spiritual son to his side. Even at this late hour, I've got a picture of a chessboard. The Apostle Paul is thinking about moves in ministry. He's thinking about who can I trust, who can I not trust. You know, this speaks a lot about ministry in the church, too. Uh, every, every year, and it's going to be coming up soon, we, we have a, uh, 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 a group in our church, a team that meets, and we put together positions that need to be filled. Uh, I want to encourage you, if, if you're asked and you take those positions, be faithful. Be faithful to do those ministries in which God has called you to do. So even at this late hour, the Apostle Paul is moving pieces. And let me say this too. Church, church, church attendance and everything connected with that, churches go up and down, up and down, up and down all the time. Somebody moves, somebody gets saved, they, they, they wind up going to another church with their husband or whatever. But God is constantly still moving pieces in the church. Everybody that is in our church is here because God wants them here. And so we take that. And we do it to the best of our ability to continue doing ministry. He says here, he has been very useful to me in ministry. Eucristos, which means valuable. And the word ministry here in the ministry is dikaioi. Dikaioi, which means a ministry task. Let me just say this. Every ministry in the church is valuable. You say, well, pastor, what if you just clean the, clean the church? That's a very valuable ministry. And even in today's situation with, with, uh, with uh, coronavirus, it's much more important because things have to be super clean before you come back in. There is no small ministry task in the church. You know, what, what, would, what would the people on your committee say about you? Yes, they're faithful. They, they, they do the work. They honor God. That's what we should all shoot for. And then Paul talks about the comforts. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas. And also the books, and above all, the parchments. So, looking back at the map again, Timothy gets the letter September, October, maybe November. The most logical route for him to take would be from Ephesus up north to Troas, cross over into Thessalonica, down to Corinth, and then into Rome. I did some checking on that. That's about 1,400 miles. Long time. Paul asks for some stuff here. First of all, a cloak because the Roman jail was probably cold in the evenings. And that says a lot about his needs. He also said bring the books. Volumes have been written about what these books were. We have no idea. Maybe it was a census that the Apostle Paul took. Maybe it was something uh, very important to the Apostle Paul. 
and also the parchments that's paper back then it would have been animal skin you I got a picture here of a uh, of a first century document with that would have been written on but no 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 doubt the apostle paul wanted these items you know that's not much that's not much to want but that's all paul wants he doesn't want he he doesn't want a reversal if if he looks out there and he sees the place of execution and it could have been maybe even one of the guards but the apostle paul looking out there he says you know what it's cold at night that's reasonable very reasonable i want these books because they are important to me i want paper so that i can write and that's all the apostle paul wanted now what's frustrating to me is and what's frustrating to me is in this letter is that we never know if Timothy saw the Apostle Paul but since I'm a good guy I want to say that Timothy made it before Paul was executed we don't know that but I like a good ending I want to see but here what we see in the in, in the Apostle Paul is is a immense courage look when we talk about ministry I get it ministry is difficult right it's it's not easy and sometimes it's downright hard but I want to challenge all of us today and not only in ministry but in life life can get hard at times and I want to encourage you to push forward push through get that one or two people that are your encouragers and let them encourage you and and, and, and build you up um, and for the most part don't want a lot of stuff the Apostle Paul didn't need much to carry on we don't need that much to carry on we have house we have food we have clothing we have cars you know the here's Paul I he is one of the greatest at least in my mind one of the greatest apostles that ever lived and he started out very badly <laughs> but God changed his life and if there's somebody in your life they're not doing well right now I want to encourage you this way too that God can change their life God can make a difference in their life and God can reverse the course in their life to where they come back to him remain faithful to Christ remain faithful to Christ and that's what I have to say this this morning and I pray that uh, as we walked through this maybe something helped you maybe encouraged you uh, the Apostle Paul Wow he put ministry and the lives of others first I've told this to Audrey many times we've talked about it I really do with my life I want to finish well I really don't want to finish badly and with that as a goal 
you just keep striving, keep moving forward, keep going. And I hope, Lord willing, that I will finish well like the Apostle Paul.